0: One of the biggest memories that i remember that is really funny looking back on it is that a lot of people wanted to go to edinburgh castle the big one that you have to pay not a lot to get in but more Mm -hmm. and a group i think it was me and three other girls decided let's go to this abandoned castle that's 10 minutes away because it's only 10 pounds to get into and so we got there and there was no one else visiting that castle so it was just us four girls in this abandoned castle. And so because we were the only ones there, we started playing hide and seek there, (laughs) which was really funny.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Our Communication Thing, a podcast from the College of Communication. My name is Paul Booth. I'm an associate dean in the college. And with me today is one of our illustrious alum, Alumni, alum, alumna, <laughs> I think is the appropriate term. Elise Fong, how are you, Elise?
0: Hi, I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm good. Elise is a recent graduate. So when did you graduate?
0: Back in June 2023. So this time I got a graduation. That was yes. Sad.
1: Were you a double demon? Did you do two or just it was just undergrad?
0: I was you, a double demon. You that were was my double undergrad demon, yeah. and my master's there. Yeah. Yeah. Super fan of DePaul.
1: Yeah, and so you did not get to do your undergrad graduation though, right?
0: No, I didn't. So when I finally graduated in 2023, I was like, ah, this is what this feels like.
1: And it was, was it good? Was it worth it? Did you enjoy oh, it graduation? Was
0: amazing! Oh, it was so much fun. Best time of my life. And to go abroad the day after, great.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, well, don't get ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about your study abroad experience. <laughs> oh, great. Um, but I, I want to start by going back to young Little Elise just leaving high school, I guess not just leaving high school because you would have done this as a junior, but like what drew you to DePaul?
0: Oh gosh, you know what's really funny is that I'm the youngest of seven. So by the time I was applying to my own college, I had actually already visited almost like 100 colleges. So when I visited DePaul, it was my 100th college visit and I knew I wanted to go there prior to visiting. So I was like, this is a good number to end on, (laughs) the one that I knew I wanted to go to. I visited Chicago a couple years before because my sister was looking at the school and then ended up not going, and so it was kind of like always on my mind. And then when I it was my turn to start applying, I was like, "Oh, I think I want to go there" because like I really want to be in Chicago. So it was like more on the city, less on the college. But then when I decided, when I applied and then came to visit, I was like, "Oh, I made a good choice. This is it." <laughs> and then I came and I was like, "Great! This is this is awesome." It was just funny because like I knew I'd always wanted to go there. So it was funny hearing that back, and everyone's like, "Yeah, I wasn't sure," and I was like, "Oh, I was very sure." (laughs) It was like my first one that I applied to.
1: What was it that made you so sure? Like, why? I mean, you visited a hundred other. I did not know that you had visited. I guess ninety nine (laughs) other colleges. What was it about DePaul that really struck your fancy? Like, but before you even got here,
0: yeah, I know perks of having older siblings. You always just kind of get the back end of their college visits too. But I would say. One of the main things was obviously the city. I knew I I'm originally from Tennessee, so the South. And I knew I did not want to go to an SEC college. I did not want to stay in the South. I like really wanted to push myself outside of my comfort zone. So definitely Chicago was the location I was looking for. And then when I specifically looked at the campus, the thing that I liked most was that you had Lincoln Park campus that was very much like kind of your typical college experience, Phil. You had like a central campus and a quad and like heavy on dorm kind of experiences, but then you also had the Loop campus downtown that kind of like really integrated you into the city and gave you kind of like, I would say two different experiences of a college, like you kind of had that central college experience, but then you had something a little bit different too. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you have any stories from when you were just starting out as a a young freshman or (laughs) sophomore at DePaul?
0: Oh, so, so many. There's so many. <laughs> probably one of the first ones that people always laugh at me for is that I lasted probably precisely 24 hours in the dorms. And then I quickly moved to the, at the time, off-campus, like, student-affiliated building called 1237. Because what had happened was I had moved in this dorm, and I think initially we were told it we was just going to be two of us. And then, like, the day before we were moving in, we were told it was going to be three of us. And then this one girl had a fear of heights, so they unbunked the beds, and it was just like too much for me. I got like super claustrophobic, and I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I can't do this. We have to do something else. So there, were three, there were three
1: beds, like unbunked? Did you? How did mm-hmm. you even have Which time to move around? Idea. No.
0: I don't know. I just remember being the most chaotic day, and the next day I was like, yeah, we're not doing that.
1: <laughs> they let you move to an off-campus? I guess it's not really that far off-campus, but
0: it was nice because it was right in this like sweet time of like if you decided in this moment you would get all your money back but if i had waited a day or two i wouldn't have mm. so it came like right to like make my decision like within the hour and i was like yeah that's that's done if we're going to have this decision be part of the thought process and then i only have an hour i was like we'll just go ahead and make it <laughs> i'd wow. rather get my money back than that so i was like we'll just do it and that ended up interesting you know everybody has roommate stories like abundantly in any college so you know there's always those as well but that's always going to happen freshman year I feel like you're always paired with people that like you may not get along with and then you kind of move things around and you find better roommates too Mm -hmm.
1: what was 1237 like like what was the building like what was the, the apartment like
0: yeah so it's basically apartment style dorms where you have four individual rooms and then a shared common area and then you have two bathrooms and in mine, I was the first one to move in just because it was that time where like some of the units were still like not occupied. So I was the first one to move in. And then eventually it got filled up kind of throughout the year. And it was also interesting because I think six months into me living there, the building then got bought out by someone else. So it then just became we were in this like weird period of two months of being like, we're not a campus affiliated apartment building anymore where you have RAs still. Now we're just a building that has tenants. So it was like this weird transition period where like the people who were in charge of those programs were trying to figure it out because some people like myself were trying to transfer units because like roommate issues, obviously. So that was fun, but it did eventually get all figured out. And then I actually ended up with a great pair of roommates, I think come spring quarter. <laughs> so very much in the last minute of my first year. So yeah, I moved around a lot. I want to say maybe three times wow. my freshman year. It was not fun. It was not fun. <laughs>
1: When did you decide you wanted to be a communication student?
0: From the very beginning, I knew I was going to major in journalism. But you know what's really funny is that that entire time of my undergraduate career, I was so sore in that career path. And then senior year, like winter quarter, it just all hit me. And I remember I was in a journalism class thinking, this brings me so much anxiety And I don't think I really like competitive environments as much as I thought I did. Mm -hmm. So I remember going to, I don't remember her name, but I remember going to my college advisor and I was like, hi, I don't think I want to do this anymore. What do I do? It's so last minute. But it worked out kind of in my benefit because I still do love journalism. I just figured out I had done a mini study away session for two weeks, I think, in New York. And during that time, I was like, this is fun. Would not want to live here. And I was like, I don't think I want this. And at that time, I had been taking a lot of media and cinema studies classes that I had just enjoyed so much more. So we kind of had this like two hour conversation of being like, what am I going to do with what I have been studying? She was looking at my transcript and she was saying, you know, you have so many of these classes on your transcript. Like, why do you enjoy these? And it was really your first class that I took with you on fandom. I think that changed like the trajectory of my entire like oh, academic God. For career. For better or like, for I worse, I truly believe if I hadn't taken, no, for <laughs> better, like I truly think if I hadn't taken that course, like I would not be so passionate about research like I am now. So we had this like big conversation about like how much I liked those courses and like why I liked them, and then I realized I'm like, oh, I just love talking about things that I like, <laughs> and things that I'm interested in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I <laughs> it, I like you know, college of communication. I like talking about things is a great yep. way to describe us.
0: <laughs> I'm an overtalker at this point. That's what it taught me.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's great, both because you're on a podcast, um, but also because, I mean, it, it shows that you even at that late minute can make a switch, you know, like it's never too late to change what you're interested in or to discover something about yourself. I think that's what's really amazing about college really is you get, yeah you do so much growing up in four years and, and you kind of really maturing. do.
0: Yeah. I look back on how I was at freshman year. Cause I, I actually almost thought about transferring and I'm so glad I never did that because I don't know who that person was. Mm -hmm. I'm so different now than who I was freshman year. And I've learned so much. And I think that's part of the reason too, why I kept studying at DePaul. Cause like I had a great experience, my undergraduate career, but then when I started doing my master's there, it's kind of like I had this deeper relationship with DePaul that really made me get so much more out of the program than I ever thought I could. Like I got such a deeper relationship with like my professors that I had been studying under and like taking classes with, but I also kind of found a more, I would say like streamlined approach to what I wanted to study. Like it's kind of like I took everything from my undergraduate career and thought, okay, how do I put all these things together? And how do I really focus it into something that I want to turn into a career?
1: Well, how would you describe the difference between being a master's student and being an undergrad?
0: Undergrad, I feel like you kind of just take classes that interest you. Like you kind of just, once you get your prereqs out of the way, you kind of just have this Very much open area of being like, what could I take just for fun? Whereas in your master's program, you kind of pick things based not only on your interests but also, okay, how does what I studied in this class last quarter? How could I improve upon that next quarter? Like, what courses can I look on that would kind of deepen my understanding of something that I want to research more? So I guess like as an example, because there's one I think of that I took near the end of my program. I took a class with Dr. Alyssa Foster on basically how to be a professor and how to teach a class. And it was interesting because I had never really thought that I would want to go into the career path of eventually being a professor. But like doing that course was so much fun. I took like so many classes that I had taken prior and my interest from them and turning them into like one cohesive class that I would want to teach and that I would be interested in teaching. And that kind of led me to think like, oh, wow, this is fascinating. And I became like so like me and other students too became so passionate about what we were doing. And it was so much fun to see everyone be so into what they were presenting and cultivating throughout that entire quarter. So I would say that's one of the biggest difference too, is passion.
1: That's really interesting. I want to get back to the passion question, but the class that teaches you kind of what it's like to be a professor, did that help you think of the classes that you had taken previously differently kind of like you almost mm-hmm. like seeing how the sausage is made kind of like there is yes. there is actually some <laughs> like despite the fact it seems like we're all absent-minded weirdos like there is actually some sort of like <laughs> plan sometimes
0: there's a method to the madness is what we would always say yes there's, a, there's always this like incredible like when we were crafting our core schedule we had to make it look like an actual syllabus. So you bet I took every class and I looked at everybody's syllabus. Like, What do I like from this? And what did I not like? And then you had to make like a separate document of discussing why you chose a certain format or why you chose, say, a certain text to be read. So I even went back to like classes I had taken during my master's program and my undergraduate program of taking both like text materials, but also like certain things that we had discussed in class, like that I took to mind too. So it's also like you have this little like bank of knowledge that you can pull from, which was nice.
1: That's amazing. So you talked about passion and you talked about when you're in your master's program, it's really about the the subject that you're passionate about. And I know that you were Mm -hmm. and still are passionate about journalism, but you got a a media master's degree. So in, in what ways were you able to translate that passion or... I guess, find ways to apply both of those areas. Does that make sense?
0: No, it does. I kind of see them connected through writing. I've always loved writing, and that's one of the reasons why I love journalism. I just realized that the type of journalism I wanted to do, which not as a knock to DePaul, I think their broadcast journalism program is great, but I definitely wanted to go into print journalism and specifically entertainment journalism. And a lot of DePaul's journalism classes are geared towards political activism and political journalism, which I am super into politics, but I could not for the life of me explain that to someone like I cannot write about that. It's very difficult for me. But I do love entertainment journalism. So I think that's kind of where I started to see them intermix and why I started taking so many media and cinema studies classes, because it allowed me to write about those interests that I had. And I always say like a lot of people that I went to college with always were like, oh, I have so many papers due this week. It's going to be so hard. And I was like, I can't wait. I was like, <laughs> I can't wait. I just get to like basically just splurge on a paper. And it was great. Like I would just write for a couple hours and be done. And it was great. And I loved it. Do you
1: remember any topics of papers that stuck with you?
0: Oh, so many, so many. There was one. I'm pulling more from my master's program because yeah. that's just was more recent. That's why I have recent. more in my head. Yeah. The ones that I really enjoyed, I wrote a paper about, I took a relational communications class kind of on how reality TV presents romantic relationships. So that was fascinating because I got to delve into my interests in relational communications and how people talk to each other about um, relationships, but also with reality TV, which is a very much guilty pleasure of mine. Like I love The Bachelor as much as I also hate it. I just love to watch it. So that was interesting. And then another one to date that is probably one of the projects I am most proud of is a paper I wrote for your class and the presentation I did on social media activism and the whole like Shang-Chi fandom. That to this day is like my little baby. I'm so proud of that one. You have no idea how excited I was to present that in class that day.
1: one well, it was a very good presentation I was I was kind of crossing my fingers and hoping you would mention that one because that one has stuck with me as well it's been a, it was a really good
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of dive into the way that you, you say that you don't want to be a political journalist but you talked about how entertainment media can have a political agenda or a political end so I think there's a way to get at politics through entertainment media too
0: yeah I think Two, I realized that's how I am able to talk about politics is because I think fandom and activism has such an intricate relationship that to me makes so much sense. So like getting able to talk about it or discuss it is easier to communicate than like other political conversations, if that makes sense, or other political discourse. I don't know if that is, it makes much sense, but in my head, it like, is, there's a difference.
1: Yeah. Well, people don't particularly mind talking about their favorite TV show, Mm-hmm. But bring politics up and it can be alienating. It can be hard, but those that you can bridge that, I think, by you talking about activism.
0: Yeah. I remember too, when I gave that presentation, I was not worried about your feedback. I knew it was always going to be good, but I was like, I don't know that specific project. I was like very much awaiting your feedback. Cause I was like, I need to know what he thinks. This is like the most important project of my life. And I have to know what the feedback is.
1: Wow, well, it was a <laughs> positive. I remember it I remember
0: Yeah, um, I love that paper, God. So I remember uh, I spent so much time on that presentation too. like I was pulling out every stop with every graphic,
1: yeah, and what i I love about that class and I love about that assignment is you weren't the only one to have really done that. like everyone talked about different topics, but there were some people like really dove into their topic and like mm-hmm. made it their own you know one of the things i love about that class is it's a very kind of researchy kind of class but it becomes personal because it's all about things that you want to do and things that you're interested exactly in. yeah yeah
0: i um, think that's so funny about that class too because it seems so scary at the beginning because it seems so daunting all this research yeah. and kind of the conversations we were having and then like When you really start getting into it, you're like, oh, I'm really making this my own thing. And it it seems so much easier at that point.
1: Well, I wonder maybe that's a good way to describe a master's program generally is it seems very daunting, Mm -hmm. but because it's something that you're passionate about, it suddenly doesn't seem as difficult because you get to explore the thing that really fascinates you, that interests you. Totally agree. So you did some other cool stuff while you were a student. I know you were certainly my research assistant for a little bit. Yeah. What twice. was twice? What were some of the stories you have about being, and, and I realize it's weird because you're talking to me about it, but you've graduated. So what, what were some of the stories you have about being a research assistant with us?
0: Oh, I'll talk about it all the time. It was one of my favorite things. The first year was really fun because the topic was superheroes, I think, for that
1: first Well, year. let's let's say what so you were fun. doing because our, oh, our yeah, podcast listeners may not be as into <laughs> Paul Booth and the history of you as uh, as I am. So.
0: Yeah, so I was a research assistant both my first year and my second year in my master's program for Paul for the DePaul Pop Culture Conference, which is basically a conference where people love pop culture, talk about pop culture and each year it has a specific theme so the first year that i was a research assistant the theme was celebrating superheroes and then the second year was sherlock holmes so the first year was really interesting because it was during the pandemic so it was all virtual so that was very different for me especially like working from home and like everything being virtual it was still fun but you like don't get to collaborate as much with everyone because you're all just kind of doing your own thing And then, of course, what was really funny is the day before the conference, I got either my first or my second shot. So, you know, the arm was very sore. (laughs) I just remember my arm being so sore that day. (laughs) But it was so much fun kind of watching everyone still, like, just have so much fun at this conference. And I just remember, too, there was this one kid at the virtual conference. I want to say he was like eight or 10. And he was just enthralled with everything. And he was asking so many questions and so many great questions. And I remember just texting the other assistant, Rebecca, I was like, this kid is so adorable. Like I had I was like, how did he find this? Like, this is just like, so fascinating to me. And then the second year was in person. And I guess I should talk about this because this yeah. is probably the most known thing is that it was in person, but was it like a week before that you texted was, me? that you It had was had a COVID? day
1: because a Friday was when we were supposed to have dinner with everyone. And I got COVID. Mm-hmm. I tested positive on the, I think the Wednesday night <laughs> right before it. So it was two days before the conference. I tested positive for COVID. Yeah. One of the reasons I wanted to interview you for the podcast, because you basically ran that conference. Like, yeah. I was sitting at home. I, it was my other virtual conference. It was terrible, <laughs> like for me. Because, but you, I basically was like, I, I'm not going to be functioning. At it, least it, you have to run this, and you, yeah, you're like, I can't
0: do it, and I was like, Well, I guess it's on me. I I still talk to people about it. I just went. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I got so much clout in the College of Communications for mm-hmm. that. Like, I remember this one professor. I don't remember his name, but I hadn't taken the class with him. And I had seen him in the building. He goes, oh, you ran that conference. And I was like, how did you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, thank
0: you for my clout.
1: Well earned and deserved. I honestly don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had you as a research assistant. Like it really like. You're too kind. Well, I mean, you ran a conference. (laughs) You you ran a conference, basically. I know, you bet
0: I put that on my resume.
1: (laughs) You better. I mean, there was a team of volunteers you had to oversee, Mm -hmm. you had to troubleshoot some actual major trouble problems, <laughs> trouble problems, like, and, like the ability and to and put work together. Wait, what, yeah. are, what were some of the impromptu speeches?
0: Well, I had to introduce, I think two of our <sighs> keynote speakers.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, Cause you had to do what I would have done, but I had, I had yes. prepped and you didn't know you had to prep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm doing this. It was so fun. But yeah, I remember, I remember like the day I wasn't really nervous until like the night before. And I had texted one of the volunteers that I was friends with. And I was like, Oh, my God, this is all just hitting me that like, it's really all me tomorrow. (laughs) And I think like I got in 7am. And I like saw the assistants and I was like, cool, we're just gonna rock this out as best as we can. I was like, if something happens, something happens, like, we'll get there when we get there. It's kind of the mindset I had.
1: That's the perfect mindset. You can't predict everything that's going to happen. Something will go wrong and you, no. how you deal with it is just, you know, a, an aspect of your chill vibe that I got, I got to say. I, know. I
0: think I came into that morning for being so nervous the night before I came in just like super chill the day of, and I was like, what's, what's going to happen? It's going to happen. And that's So <laughs> what sort everything of thing actually ran super smooth.
1: I was going to ask, how did it go? Like, what were some highlights for you?
0: Yeah. I remember the nicest thing was like, I was kind of just ru- I wasn't necessarily like, I wouldn't say I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I was just kind of like waltzing around being like, what do, what do you need? What can I do? That's going to help everything else. And then <laughs> I remember two of my volunteers since I was running everything, you know, obviously I wasn't going to like leave the site. And they were like, they would come check up on me. They're like, do you need lunch? Do you need food? Like a snack, water? And I was I didn't even think about that. I was like, you're going to go grab me lunch? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, wow, thanks. I was like, here's my card. I was like, get something for you too. So it was really nice to have that too. But the other thing that I remember was setting up all of the vendors that were there that would have like kind of their merch stands up. That was really interesting because I knew they were going to be there, but like, I didn't exactly think about setup of that. So when it was all happening, I had like me... And a couple other volunteers like set up all the tables, make sure all the signs and the chairs were there. Cause like when I got there, nothing was really there except for the registration table with the sign on it. So I kind of had to just immediately without knowing these people just kind of delegate people in the groups of being like, okay, you're going to station here at the registration table. Some are going to go help set up and then others are going to go make sure all the signs are correct on each of the doors. So it was a lot of just delegating around and then once everything started, it was super easy from there because then you're just making sure everyone's staying on schedule that, you know, panels are happening. And then be after the keynote speaker panels, I could kind of just go around to each room, make sure everything was going okay, that we weren't having any Zoom issues, which thankfully we didn't have hardly any, which I was very surprised by because I'm not good with technology. So I was like, that's going to be really interesting if that happens. But thankfully, we had two volunteers who were very good at technology. So I was like, great. I was like, you are in charge
1: of that, not me. Well, I do remember yeah, it was really fun. one of the volunteers who was good at Zoom. We are friends on Discord, and he was Discord messaging me while I was wrapped up in bed, <laughs> like stressed about this <laughs> on your behalf. And like, <laughs> and he's like, how do I log into this Zoom or whatever? And I'm like, uh, through my COVID haze, like trying to tell him what to do. Um, yeah. But my partner as well also... Uh, I I'm hope I'm, I'm outing her as having had COVID, but I don't think she would mind. Mm-hmm. Of course, I gave her COVID because that's how COVID spreads. We're just miserable together, <laughs> you know, like in separate beds <laughs> yeah. and like not able to to like comfort each other. I'm suffering and I'm sad and I'm stressed for you and all this stuff. Yeah. And you're just rocking it. I'm still in awe.
0: Well, in my defense, you made it very easy for me. Like you had everything kind of just planned out at the ready. So like all that I had to do was show up to make sure it ran smoothly so you also made it super easy for me to do it which was fun
1: (laughs) well we worked well together it
0: was nice too because I had Sam Dr. Sam close there too so it was like I had the emotional support of a professor being there Mm. and I feel like that helped me a lot because then I knew okay well I still have a professor who has like keys to offices and things that I would need because if (laughs) I was totally alone I was like I don't know what I would do I have no one supervising me (laughs) I was like that was the weirdest thing for me
1: If you want to talk about a difference between undergrad and grad is I think in grad school, everyone's an adult, but you kind of get treated differently. I think you're as a as a master student, you're like you're part of the club in some
0: ways. Yeah, I would say, too, you're kind of like on your own, but in the best way, Like, like in undergrad, you're kind of still treated as an adult, but like you have a lot more constraint and structure within a course rather than like in a master's program, like you're kind of just told like, yeah, find what interests you and just run with it. These are the constraints you have, but like you kind of have the choice to do what you want within those constraints. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot more options to choose from, which is fun.
1: Tell me about what happens. You graduate and then you said the next day you just hop on a plane.
0: Yes. The happiest time of my life. Literally, that was such a huge deal for me, because I never really thought, especially in undergrad, that I could ever study abroad, because that was going to be an expense that was fully on me. So I just thought that's never going to happen. And also, I'm such a homebody. I know me, I would not do well in a situation of studying abroad for a quarter. I would just hate that it would make me so anxious. And then I saw that you were doing the study abroad in London, and it was for Harry Potter. And it was only gonna be two weeks. And I just thought, well, I was like, in my anxious mind, I was like, the way I look at this is it's only for two weeks and it's right after my graduation. So if anything, this is like the biggest reward to myself of doing all this hard work for six years. So I'm just going to treat this as like my graduation gift to myself. It's going to be my trip, like a vacation of sorts. Not that I was going to like go crazy, but I was treating it kind of as this huge reward to me. And I think that's what helped me not be anxious at all leading up to the trip because I was on such a high from graduating that by the time we flew out, I slept like a baby on that plane and I didn't think I was going to be able to do that at all. So I'm proud of myself for that. But oh, it was just the best time. What could I not say about it? I have so many just fun stories and I highly recommend to anybody to definitely study abroad if you can, right after you graduate. So much fun. You'll be on a high for the rest of your life.
1: The stress is different. When it's you're, just gone. It's actually, like yeah. you just
0: think of like, I've done all the work and now I just really get to enjoy it. Like I, I feel like it probably may have been the same if I had done it during my college career. But to be able to do it after everything was done just felt like the biggest reward to myself. And it just made me appreciate everything that we did so much more. Like, I just thought of it as like all these fun things that I got to do that I would have never been able to do on my own. So it was just great. And I'm trying to think.
1: Yeah. So tell me, tell me. Uh... Highlight.
0: I feel like we could just talk for hours about this trip because the way that I talked about it and it was my only personality trait for two months after I got back, we're just diving right back into it. But on my free day, I went to a Harry Styles concert because everyone knows that's my probably biggest fandom is that one. And I don't regret any parts of spending new money on that or for the merch that I paid for. Don't mind it at all. And it was great. And now I get to be that fan that says, I went to London and I got to see Harry Styles perform, especially at Wembley. That was awesome because I did not know how huge that arena was. And it was like a lot larger than I was expecting. And then I also went to, we stayed at Regents University, I think is what it was called, right? When we went abroad, yeah. And so I went to the, I think it was called the Queen's Gardens. Um, that were like right behind it and that was gorgeous because that was one of the few times that I kind of just like went off and did my own thing which was rare for me because I'm such like a not follower but like I am so social that I love to do things in group settings but like I was like this one thing I was like I have time for this now so I'll just go by myself and it was really really gorgeous to see all those really pretty gardens and flowers it's a rose garden, isn't it? Really I think they have,
1: a, they have a lot of roses yes. in the Queen's garden at Regents. Yeah.
0: Yes, every color you can imagine. <laughs> this one was in Edinburgh, but we got to go to Victoria Street, which is really well known in the Harry Potter series for having all those colorful doors. And I think it was what inspired Diagon Alley, if I remember right.
1: One of the many yes. places that inspired right. Diagon Alley.
0: One of the many. <laughs> and it was so much fun. And I kind of just kept... of catching up with different groups in our large group so i would like go to a store with a couple people and then meet up with a couple other people and go to another place on that street but probably one of the biggest memories that i remember that is really funny looking back on it is that everyone while we were in edinburgh a lot of people wanted to go to edinburgh castle the big one that you have to pay not a lot to get in but more and a group i think it was me and three other girls decided, let's go to this abandoned castle that's 10 minutes away because it's only 10 pounds to get into. And so we got there and there was no one else visiting that castle. So it was just us four girls in this abandoned castle. And so because we were the only ones there, we started playing hide and seek there, (laughs) which was really funny and really great. And then we got like, I guess it was known for being shot in the Outlander. So because we were the only ones there, one of the girls working there, like just gave us I wouldn't say like an exclusive tour, but definitely gave us a lot more information on things about the castle than like a normal tour group would have gotten. So that was a lot of fun.
1: That's, I didn't know that. That's awesome. I, I didn't know that you did it was that. Great. That's fantastic. At <laughs> uh, oh, least so this has been super fun. I haven't seen you for a while, so it's nice to catch up, but it's also great to kind of hear all these great stories about your time with us. We miss having mm-hmm. you here.
0: I know. i missed a Paul. And you never know. I I may come back for a PhD. Uh, I'm
1: thinking about it. You already have one syllabus done. So, you know, you're most of the way there.
0: I know. I'm close. And plus a couple other people from my specific concentration that I was in, they just got accepted into their PhD program. So now I'm thinking, do I apply for one? I'm like, hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. So maybe. Well, we'll see. It's never too late. It's one of those things. It's always no. there. You know, never too late. I do have a round of round robin questions. Hey, OK, but I'm terrible hey. at it. So you got to deal with me. OK, so in Chicago, favorite pizza. Home
0: Slice. And it's super close to campus. So good. Ranch is amazing.
1: Mm, OK, I really like home slice, too. So you find that acceptable TV show that you're binging right
0: now. <laughs> Ooh, I just been shadow and bone. Oh, my God. So good. I'm going to read that book series now.
1: Favorite movie?
0: Probably Spirited Away. It's a Studio Ghibli film. Love those. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, uh, you? Well, I guess you've already said Harry Styles is your fandom. What's your favorite neighborhood in Chicago?
0: I love Wrigleyville, but I don't want to live there again. I kind of like living in Lincoln Park, but I do love going to Wrigleyville.
1: You still live in Lincoln Park?
0: Oddly. Well, I'm like right on the cusp. I'm like right on the line that separates Lincoln Park and Lakeview East. But mm-hmm. I'm a lot closer to true Lincoln Park park now, which is fun, especially for my dog.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dog, you're a dog person, right? Yes. What L-line do you like to take the most?
0: Brown. Obviously. It's the prettiest one going downtown.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much Thank for you. chatting with me. This was so much fun.
0: I was. I'm always happy to do stuff like this. Like I said, big fan of DePaul.
1: Awesome. Well, take it easy. Thanks so much. And everyone, tune in next time for when we talk to more people. This has been our communication thing.